Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Are you tired of chasing tenants to comply with having renter's insurance? Insurance Management Group can solve this problem with a master tenant's insurance policy. Keep tenants in compliance with your lease agreement and help protect all parties involved. A master tenant's insurance policy can also add an additional revenue stream to your business. Contact Derek Scott at 918-728-8992 or visit imgadvisors.com. To learn more, listen to the Property Management Mastermind Show podcast, episode number 36. With Brent Bridges' property management, marketing, and workflow automation tools, take your business to the next step. Reduce overhead costs by up to 60%. Eliminate human error through automation. Make all your processes consistent and predictable. Have transparency and control through detailed and sophisticated reporting. For property managers that want to work smarter, not harder, RentBridge. Call us, 972-805-8535, or visit rentbridgegroup.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I'm bringing on Ashley Simonelli, a property manager from Florida, highly respected in, the, in where her marketplace is. I've really... Uh, I'm appreciative of bringing Ashley on because she's just been a great property manager and running a solid business. And so in today's episode, I'm going to get all fired up. All right. You're going to see me like maybe kick and scream and maybe drop some F-bombs. I don't know. I'm going to try and control myself. This is something I get really passionate about because what I've seen in the marketplace is landlords and property managers acting badly. And so what that means is they're conducting less than honorable business practices with their tenants and with their owners and with themselves at large, creating bad scenarios to where solid, good property managers like Ashley, that's going to be my guest. uh, We have just kind of like identified some of these ideas in the area of property management. And we're like, okay, we need to talk about it. We need to, to bring it out to people's attention. And then we also need to illustrate what could be the right way of conducting that business. So, where I met Ashley on she's been to a couple of presentations. Uh, she's, she's a quality speaker in the property management world. I posted something on Facebook, say, Hey, who wants to talk about landlords acting badly? And she volunteered said, yeah, I've got a couple of things. And since she sent me an email, it was like 20 bullet points, right. Of stuff that she's seen because she knows what's going on out there. And she is in Florida. And uh, as a, as a saying always go is the sunny place for shady people. Right. And so Ashley has seen this before. Now, I've, I've talked a lot. I want to bring Ashley on to give us an introduction. So, Ashley, you know, give us a few minutes of your time and give us the, the five W's and so we can get this thing rolling. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited to be on uh, the man's podcast. Um, you're obviously very highly respected in the industry. So, when you asked me to join you, I was absolutely elated. So, thank you for that. Um, my name is Ashley Simonelli. I own Royal Palm Property Management. I have uh, been in property management in one aspect or another for the last 14 years. 
I started off in um, the apartment communities as a leasing consultant and kind of worked my way up there in corporate, then kind of branched over to residential. Um, and then, you know, uh, four years, uh, three and a half years ago, opened my own brokerage. So that's been really exciting. And uh, over the course of the 14 years, I have, uh, like you said, uh, seen some shady things in the industry. And uh, it's definitely helped me know what not to do and how to how not to operate in terms of business. So uh, excited about the topic. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. So I stole that term from Todd Breen. So if he's out there listening, uh, Florida is a sunny place for shady people. And maybe you got that wrong, but it does kind of, you know, he sees it all, right? You guys have seen it all in Florida. You have all kinds of attorneys running around, all kinds of, you know, vendors doing crazy stuff. So let's get into it. And so one of the things that we want to talk through is obviously we can go security deposits. I mean, man, security deposits, we can talk all day long in all kinds of different ways, but let's just kind of focus on security deposits. And there's a bunch of different things that we can go talk about. Let's talk about them on the company level, holding security deposits. So I know you had a couple of stories. We chatted real quick. So what have you seen with the property management companies holding security deposits out there? Um, I have uh, seen situations where they're not, they're not holding the security deposits. They put them into their normal operating account and spend funds accordingly. There's no reconciliation. They're not separated. They're not held in escrow. Um, and that's a, a big no-no. Uh, they should be held here in Florida. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's similar um, in most states. They need to be held in a non, well, for Florida, it's a non-interest bearing um, account unless we want to pay out that interest to the tenants and it, it's not worth the accounting nightmare. So non-interest bearing, uh, separated from everything, reconciled monthly. And um, I've seen where none of that's happening. In fact, there was, um, I employed someone uh, a few years back who had come to me from another management company. And uh, she said that they actually overdrew their security deposit account. And I use that term loosely because um, they were just commingling funds and then using those funds to go out and buy properties that they were flipping and uh, and didn't have, I mean, they managed, I, I want to say somewhere around a hundred doors. So they should have had a considerable amount uh, for security deposits and had nothing. Yeah, that's some interesting stuff. Now you had a story about another one, if I recall, where somebody just up and disappeared. Now this is, this is nothing original necessarily, but you actually had a really good one. And we've seen it as well, where property managers, you know, they have two, three, 500 homes under management, and they have a significant amount, you know, six figures in a air quote trust account, and they just flat disappear, right? What have you seen? Yeah, so we, uh, about two years ago, we took over uh, somewhere around 30 doors from a company here locally that just disappeared. Not only did they have security deposits for these properties, and I'm, I received 30 doors, I think they were somewhere around uh, 80 doors, so um, in total. So they had security deposits, they also had uh, sizable uh, reserve accounts that they disappeared with. Not only that, but it was it was August two years ago. They went door to door to their properties, their rental properties, knocking on doors on the 2nd of August, collecting rent. Uh, so it was, it was very much intentional. They knew what they were doing. They got as much money as they could and then literally just closed doors. Um, they sold everything that they owned here locally, like right before all of this transpired. And, um, and it, you know, one of their employees ended up coming forth and, uh, you know, I filed police reports on behalf of the clients that we took over for and such. 
And they made mention that it was uh, said in the meeting that they were moving up to Montana to buy a bed and breakfast in their son's name. So they literally stole this money that did not belong to them and took it to do where, whatever. And in uh, pursuing the legal uh, side of things, I didn't really get very far because it's contractual. So it ended up, you know, they dismissed everything as being civil, but um, it's scary to think that somebody could get away with that. And this is a, a management company that had a uh, respected career in our area for years. I mean, they were in business for 10 years. Um, and then it was, it was two partners, the partners split, and then that's when things changed and it can happen so quickly. So they did end up losing their license. I pursued the DBPR complaints and all, um, but I, they don't care and no criminal charges. They, they just got away with it. Yeah, it's really sad. And, and poor owners. I mean, just think of the, the individual landlord owners there that got stuck high and dry of no security deposit. Well, they still had to refund the security deposit to an outgoing tenant, which means they had to pony up an extra thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars, whatever the number is to give to an outgoing tenant. Otherwise, they're liable. Right. And so it, and the only thing they could have really done is the civil pursue them civilly. But boy, you know, what's the term you're, you're trying to I don't know. There, there's a term for that. It's like from someone that has nothing. Right. So, yeah, you're trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip. That's what I was thinking of, and because it's just so difficult to try and collect from an out of state, someone who's just dropped everything and they don't care what their license is doing. They just, they just don't care. That is shady stuff. And we hate to hear that. And that just reflects poorly on the entire industry that reflects poorly upon you and I. And so we don't like those things. We want to police those up in the marketplace. The right thing to do is obviously have a trust account set up correctly. Uh, make sure you consult with your local banking institution. Make sure you consult with your local board of realtors and or your state association on what you need to do to correctly set up those bank accounts. And that's the right way to do things just on the company level. Now, we can talk a lot about that because we've all seen you know commingling funds or hearing about that type of stuff, or we've seen other property managers just misuse those. And you know, again, you need to be held accountable for that and uh, have really good solid practices. So get good accounting help. That's why we created the Narcom County Center to assist you in getting uh, good quality help with your accounting to make sure you're solid with your trust accounts and saving those security deposits. Now, you and I had a green room conversation that we kind of think your security deposits might be going away more and more and more and more in the future. You know, we have preferred tenant programs that have been working pretty well. And that's where you don't collect a security deposit. You potentially charge the tenant a, an additional monthly fee at the end, you bill them like a hotel, like an Airbnb, like a VRBO to where, okay, you got 800 bucks in damage. You write me a check for $800 or we just send you collections, right? That's, that's kind of how it works with an outgoing tenant and a preferred tenant program. We're going to see be seeing more and more of that, but let's talk security deposits now on an outgoing tenant because that's where we can just go on and on and on and on uh, what we've seen in the marketplace. So as we all know, Security deposit is left with a property manager. At the end of that lease agreement, the outgoing tenant uh, should be receiving an itemized deduction of what that security deposit, where it all went, like what was spent, what was done. So this is where I feel property managers get really shady, okay? Where they overcharge for maintenance, they figure out ways to overcharge for something to basically screw over the outgoing tenant. I've seen it personally myself numerous times. And so let me talk another good one there on the shady side. So I got a, a good one on the leasing one. So a leasing story uh, on the security deposit side, 
before we get to that point, let, let me go back to that. I'm, I'm talking in circles because I'm getting all fired up, guy. I've had too much caffeine. So on the leasing side, what have you seen with an outgoing tenant, okay, leaving a home, security deposit needs to be refunded. What are some of the stuff you've seen out there in your marketplace? Um, so one thing that I've, I've seen is that um, some managers will actually send that deposit to the owners to hold. Um, and I think that in general is, is bad practice uh, just because you don't have control over it. Um, in terms of managers that are um, maybe not dispersing correctly, either number one, they don't send out the disbursement form in the correct time frame. Um, you know, every, every state's different. I think uh, Florida is 30 days or 14 uh, days if you're not withholding anything that you need to return that deposit. So um, I've seen that quite often. I've seen um, where they're just trying to, I guess, appease the owner in a sense so that the owner isn't coming out of pocket for repairs. So um, a tenant that moved into a property that may have had touch up paint, but when they move out, they're being charged from their security deposit for a full paint, um, you know, not calculating in. Um, it, fair wear and tear, right? Yeah, fair, fair wear and tear, yeah, age. Um, and lifetime um, of whatever it is, like carpet, for instance, you know, that uh, a carpet in a rental has an average life of five years, I think. So if a tenant's been there for four, you're not going to charge them to replace the carpet, even if there is a stain on it. You know what I mean? So uh, just things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a laundry list of stuff I've seen people being charged. And so one is you have, you know, fake maid service, you have potentially fake carpet cleaning, you have overcharging for maintenance items to where, you know, it might take a handyman 20 bucks to move something, but they charge $200, right? Because they know they could potentially get away with it. And these are companies that don't care about their online presence, right? There are some big franchises out there I've had personal experience with where the big franchises, you know, they're just a holding pen for listings. They don't do property management at a good level. They just like, you know, check the box. They held the property as long as they needed to, to give their sales agents an opportunity to sell it. That's the only reason they do it. It's it's a like a begrudging service. Like they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it at a high level. So what they end up doing is they're like, you know, they just charge by the book, you know, whatever they want to charge. And they say, you know, sue me. You right? <laughs> Basically, they're challenging the tenants to like, if you don't like it, sue me. Go ahead, bring an attorney. We have our attorneys. You know, there's there's 25 attorneys on, on retainer over there. They're going to come, you know, right after you. And you got to go through the civil process, which is a goat rope. And so it's just a, it's a silly interested. It's just an irritating thing. So I've seen it personally to myself several times. And the way the shadiness goes down is homes I've rented, me personally rented here in San Antonio. Uh, there was a couple good incidents. I'm going to talk through security deposits because it does tie into another one of early terminations. And so I mentioned it to you in the green room and you're like, well, I'm not sure what that is, but I get what it is. You know, but uh, So the way shady property managers operate is if you're in a home for, let's say, a year as a tenant and you're buying another home and you need the home for another couple months, well, property managers that I've seen, the real crappy ones in San Antonio, and I'd love to name your name because I think you're crap and I hope you go out of business, is those folks, instead of giving you a one or two or three month extension, they say, nope, only do 12 month extensions, period. And when you're ready to get out, you're going to pay the early termination fee, which is one month's rent. That's all done up in the lease agreement from the very beginning. And you feel like, okay, that's just shady, right? You're, you're going to force me into a 12-month lease when I only need two more months. And then at the end, you charge me an early termination fee and you have some shady security deposit practices where you overcharge for everything. You charge me for paint. You charge me for carpeting. You charge me for maid service. 
And you don't care about the reviews. You don't care about the civil procedures. You're just like, I'm going to charge it to you no matter what. And, 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 you know, good luck coming after me. That's shady. So what the right way is to do, Ash, and you know, I talk about this, just what apartment complexes do. So I want you to take it from here. So if an apartment complex says, hey, you, you, if somebody comes to an apartment complex says, I need two more months, what do they do? Uh, they will typically add a month to month fee of some sort on top of what their normal rent is. And uh, sometimes they'll have a, a max, like, um, you know, a six month uh, max that they can do this and then they'll reevaluate at that time. But they just charge a month, a month to month fee, if you will, and uh, allow them and, and hopefully help them, help them to uh, get whatever it is that they're trying to, to obtain by their home or what have you. Um, but yeah, just a month to month fee and communication and, um, that's about it. That's, that's the exact answer. So that's what we do. So we, that's what you do is if somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I need another month or two months or three months. What we end up doing is like, great. Okay. We're going to charge you rent plus 25%, rent plus 25% for a month to month fee. So it's really easy to do that. It's very easy accounting and people are happy to pay it because what's the alternative? You know, the shady property manager who I mentioned, uh, they're going to only do 12 month extensions. So one, they can charge the owner a lease renewal fee, most likely. And two, then they can charge the tenant, which they pocket, an early termination fee of that 12-month lease extension that they force them into. That's shady practice. Don't do that in your business because I think that's one of the worst things you can do to, 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 to uh, denigrate the actual industry itself. So don't do those types of things. Now, so we talked a little bit about uh, leasing, security deposits, and other, and other stuff. Uh, do you have anything more on security deposits? Because I know we could go on and on. What have you? What else have you seen out there from the tenant side, owner side, even the business side? A big one is when we take over properties, uh, we will um, oftentimes uh, not have a move-in inspection. And yet, when the tenant moves out, the landlord wants to deduct everything from their deposit because it was, you know, immaculate when they moved in. And it's hard when you don't have. Uh, it's impossible when you don't have. Um, any type of a documentation or a move-in inspection from when they moved into the property. That definitely, you definitely need that documentation to withhold from a deposit, in my opinion. Yeah, and here's a good point on that is the outgoing tenants that you work with, they want to get an honest security deposit deduction. The owners think that you're their shield, okay? So the owners say, I want you to do a complete make ready and charge that outgoing tenant for the 10-year carpet replacement, right? Carpets were 10 years. We all know that there's a seven-year depreciation schedule on carpeting. So 10-year-old carpet, uh, outgoing tenant gets charged for it. And the landlord says, okay, Ashley, I'm just going to hide behind you while you charge that to the tenant. And that's what I want you to do. And so we feel that's pretty shady on an owner's part. They may not know that it's shady. That's where a good property manager comes in and says, no, Mr. Owner, you can't do that. Here's why, here's why, here's why you're, they're going to turn around and lawyer up and sue us. And you don't want to be involved in that. So let's just go ahead and prorate this. You can charge them for some depreciation, but you cannot charge for a full replacement on old carpet. It's just, it just, you know, a judge is going to see that, think you're shady, award triple damages to the tenant and spank everybody. So don't do it. And so that's another thing on security deposits. What else have you seen out there? Um, that That's primarily it. Uh, we, we did have a situation uh, with one property or a specific group of properties that we took over 
where the owner wanted to charge them. Again, there was no inspection and the owner wanted to charge them for removing the tile out of the property. Um, come to find out their previous property manager had, had billed them for installing tile in this particular property and they put linoleum down. So the owner, when we showed them the inspection, uh, thought that the tenant had removed the tile and replaced it with linoleum because he was billed for tile going into the property. Uh, so I know that's so you know far out in left field, but it's it's happened. And actually, that company um, ended up getting uh, uh, I, they had an issue with their license because they were found to charge owners for things that weren't actually being done. And you know, the new managers who took over those properties were the ones that were discovering it. Yeah, that creates, obviously, it's going to be uh, complaints through the, the either the local board of realtors and or the state commission on that company. And so that's that's just a shady practice. So I got a couple other things I want to go to uh, on the leasing side. Now, this is going to be fun because, uh, you know, there's we talked about the application thing. Uh, we talked about other leasing stuff, but I got one in particular for you. So there's a company here in town, you know, the San Antonio region. We've taken a couple homes from them where management services have moved from that company to RentWorks. That particular home or homes that we have taken from that management company were on the market to rent. So what does that management company do? They, instead of giving the home over to us right away, they lease it up really quick to anybody with a pulse, right? Anybody. Like if you want to apply and get into this home, we'll lease it. So we can charge the outgoing owner a leasing fee prior to handing it over to RentWorks, and then we can hand RentWorks a bag of crap to chew on. I've seen that several times by some shady property managers here. They just lease the home real quick, charge a leasing fee, make a quick thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks, and then they say, "Fine, RentWorks, here you go. Here's your your bag of dirt. Chew on it. You got a crappy tenant and a home that you didn't put the tenant in there, so you can't do anything with the tenant. You can't put them on a solid lease agreement. You can't charge them anything that they need to be charged." The security deposits are all in a different lease agreement. So it's just absolutely shady because the right answer is if you lose a homeowner to a new company under management, just give them the actual home right then and there. Help them with the crossover because you know what? They go both ways. In our market, we lose some, we gain some from other property management companies. That's just the nature of the business. And so when we hand over a home to another property manager, we do it the right way. We don't try to, to lease it up real quick to some somebody with a 400 credit score and six dogs, you know, that's what, that's what shady property managers do. And so I bring that up because that's a leasing story that I have. The one you mentioned was the application one. I thought that was a good one to bring up. So let's talk leasing and the method of applications. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, we have some companies locally that will, uh, take multiple applications on a property. Uh, and then their uh, justification is they're going to pick the most qualified. So essentially they're taking in all these applications, processing all of these application fees. Um, and, and I, I think that's unethical. Um, you know, we kind of, we process our applications on a first come first serve basis, and we will uh, accept backup applications, but we do not charge their application fee until we know um, if we're going to be able to move forward. So if, if applicant A um, applied for the property and they are not qualified and we have an application B that came in, we'll process those fees and move forward. Otherwise, if applicant uh, A looks good, then we will not process applicant B's application fees because they're, you know, or we'll try to help them find something else. But for that particular property, we're not going to charge an application fee unless we know that we um, have a chance for you to qualify for the property. 
Yeah, this is, I hope Bart Sturz is listening to this because he and I, he's a past NARP and president. Uh, we always have a good, lively debate on taking the, the first qualified application or the best qualified application, right? The first best concept. Neither of them right is, neither of them is wrong. So here's the, here's the way this works in the fair housing, because we've gone through a complete fair housing audit, right? So I am, I am absolutely 100% sure of what I'm talking about at a federal level, because we choose the best applicants, okay? We feel we're doing it correctly because we have everything in writing. It's all in writing up front in our screening criteria, in our lease agreement, in our entire process. We let the applicant know that we choose the best applicant. Where it gets shady, to your point, is when you get the potential property managers or landlords who don't ever turn that application process off. So what we do, and I'll show you the shady side, I'll show you what we do because we feel we do it correctly. We advertise a home for rent, we get in an application, that application looks good. You know, 700 credit score, uh, all the good stuff you need, you know, the proper income, proper documentation been given in the application. We turn off the marketing, even though that applicant may not be air quote fully approved yet, we give the discretion to our team who are not incentivized. They have no, they, they get nothing out of trying to collect more application fees. The team is basically, they're on salary. They're not, you know, they're not trying to collect a lot of applications. They turn off the marketing. So the best applicant that came in the door who might've been first, we turn it off and we just only work on that applicant. That's the correct way to do it. Now, what you've seen on the shady side, which I, I want to talk about, is people will just continue to collect in applications. Like they'll let that puppy, let that marketing just run and run and run. And so they might've got that 700 credit score person, the very first application, but they'll let them run for three or four or five or 10 more applications. And what do they do with that? Pocket it. <laughs> just pocket it. It's sad, but yeah, they pocket it. Then they send out the letter of declination or whatever they want to call it in your Even state. Once they've had an approved applicant, even with an approved applicant, this person has been approved for this property. I've seen people still continue to take applications on that property. That's just dirty, dirty pool right there. And those are the kinds of things we don't like to see out there. Cause again, all this is causing a negative reputation against property managers. And that's not the right way to run a business gang. So the right way is to pick a method, best application or first application and run with it, but be courteous and be uh, aware of those applicants coming in. So we refund once in a while. Okay, we'll, we'll refund applications because let's say we get one or two or three in at the same time and we choose the best application. Well, what do we do with the other two, right? We say, well, we can apply that to any other home that we have. What if they say, well, there's nothing that I like and I don't feel good about this. I want my money back. Okay, great. You know, we're not going to argue with you about that. We'll refund the occasional application fee, because we feel that's the right thing to do. We don't want to be accused of what Ashley just talked about and where we take 10 applications in uh, over the course of a day or two and then choose the best applicant and then keep the other nine. I mean, that's just, that's just, ah, you know, that's just not dirty. That's just dirty business. And we don't like doing that because guess where that leads, Ash? It leads into negative reviews. So you know, I mentioned this earlier, some of the franchise property managers out there that are just using, uh, they're, they're using the business of property management is only a holding pen for listings. Those companies don't care about the reputation. Those staffers don't give a darn because it's not their business. Ashley and me, we care about our business because it's ours. We own it. So if ever a landlord is listening to this, be very weary of the big franchise uh, companies that don't care about the reputation. 
And if they look bad online, they probably are. <laughs> you know, if they don't care about their reputation enough to actually do the business things they're doing supposed to be right in a right manner, they're going to get those bad reviews. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. So one thing I really want to talk about, too, is we talk about the leasing, talk about the applications. I feel that's a really top button because people collecting in applications over and over and over on a home that's already been leased. Let's talk some of the maintenance stuff that you might have been seeing. So you talked about that in, in one of your points. And I want you to bring up some of the things that you've seen just on the maintenance side alone. Go ahead. Uh, so another another situation that we had is where um, uh, an owner was uh, an owner that we took over their property for them was charged for a brand new refrigerator. And upon us inspecting it, the refrigerator was 10 years old. It wasn't brand new. Um, so that we've actually seen quite quite a bit. Um, we've, uh, and on the other side, on the landlord side, we've seen, um, uh, landlords doing the maintenance in the property themselves, even with an occupied property. So for us, when a property is vacant, if, uh, if the, the owner, the landlord wants to go in and do their own repairs, it, I, it is what it is. If they want to do that, we'll just inspect it to make sure it is up to our standards before renting it, of course, but, um, that it's their property. They can do that if they wish. With an occupied property, we would never allow an owner to go in and do their own repairs for a multitude of reasons. Um, but uh, I've, I've seen it done. Um, I've seen owners show up for repairs unannounced, uh, you know, and obviously as a manager, that puts us in a, a rough spot. Yeah, completely. That's a great topic. Let's talk about the landlord maintenance itself. So on a vacant home with a make ready landlord, if you want to, you know, fly in from wherever and conduct the maintenance on your own because you think you're going to save money, knock yourself out. You know, I almost kind of like want to make fun of those landlords because they don't know what they're doing. They take longer than they should. For example, okay, we've had this exact scenario, right? We had a landlord out of state. I said, nope, RentWorks, I don't want you to do the make ready. We're going to fly in. My daughter and I were going to fly in and we're going to knock out this make ready and get it done. And then we'll turn it back over to you and then you can release it. Five months later, they still had not completed the make ready that they promised that they were going to do on a vacant home. Five months later, I'm not kidding. It was five months. And so all of us in the office were laughing, shaking our head, thinking, okay, landlord, it's your, it's your home, it's your money. We're here to help you when you're ready. But we could have done a make ready in five days and you took five months to do it. So what was your cost involved? Did you save 20 bucks on the maintenance call? Sure. You know, did you save a little bit? Probably because when you do it yourself, you can, you can cut corners but at the end of the day, what did they lose? They lost five months of potential rental income. For fun, let's call it a thousand bucks a month. They just lost $5,000 trying to save 50 on the make ready. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. Have you seen anything like that? Definitely. Um, and usually the, the repairs aren't even done very well at that. So um, it's, it's not uncommon in situations like that to have to go back in and kind of clean up some of the stuff afterwards. So they're going to spend the money anyway. Now, that's not really part of our episode, but that's just a side vignette, because what we want to talk about is landlords acting badly. And one of the things that you just mentioned I want to bring back is the landlords acting badly, meaning they let the owners conduct their own maintenance on an occupied property. That is just full of landmines, right? I mean, just absolutely full, because 
the property manager is carrying insurance. The tenant does not want to be bothered by some landlord who's coming in there sniffing underwear drawers and all kinds of stuff in there. That's just that's just creepy stuff. And then we can't vet the maintenance dudes or gals that come into that home because it's the landlord's you know handyman who's a brother-in-law who just got out of prison. I mean, we can't vet any of those people. So it's a really bad thing to do. And so the, the, the property managers need to step up to the landlord and say, no, I'm not allowing for that because if I were the tenant, I would not want that to be done. I want the maintenance to be done by professional from a professional company that does property management on a daily basis. And so I don't want that as a, as a tenant. The other thing that we think is um, a good practice is put yourself in the vendor's shoes. Vendors do not want to collect payment from the landlord. Correct. So be aware of this. Where I'm trying to go with is property manager, you conduct a maintenance deal and you say, okay, landlord, you pay the tent, the, the vendor, right? And the vendors are like, wait, dude, you know, RentWorks, I I work for you guys, RentWorks. I don't work for the landlord. He's not returning my phone calls. He's not going to pay me, you know, correctly. He's trying to pay me via credit card. You know, you guys write me a check. I can't take a credit card. You know, so it's just a really bad practice. So part of the, the, it's not really acting badly, but it's more like a best practice is property managers, you need to pay the vendors and the vendors want to be paid by you, the property manager. Property managers need to collect that money from the landlord. Landlord needs to be paying the property manager. That's how solid accounting is done. That's what causes good vendors to want to work with you. If you're trying to broker the deal, yeah, vendor, go ahead and pay the landlord, landlord, pay the vendor, whatever. It's just, it's just, fraught with just issues that could be be uh, brought up. So you had a real good pain about the point about the maintenance side on the vendors. So I want you to take some time and go on that one. Um, in general, uh, if the owner, are you referring to if the owner has their own vendors? Yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, so we require all of our vendors to be licensed and insured for obvious reasons and, and to protect the landlord. Uh, so if the landlord has a cousin that uh, does repairs and he wants to send his cousin in there and they're not licensed, they're insured, um, and we haven't been able to vet them the way that we want to vet them, um, then that it can be it can be uh, issues for everyone involved, really. We've had tenants complain about um, uh, vendors, handymen, what have you, acting inappropriately. We've had, um, like I mentioned earlier, showing up unannounced um, is a big one that we've, we've dealt with. And then the repairs not being done correctly is another. You had a good one where the vendors were on the payroll. I want you to tell that story. Uh, vendors on payroll. So you had your husband had a tree service. You know, oh. that <laughs> he said that I was his only property manager that wasn't on his payroll, as a matter of fact. Um, and I was the most difficult to deal with because I would bid him out and, and negotiate however I needed to for my clients. But he definitely had... Uh, quite a few, he's going to kill me for throwing him under the bus right now, but <laughs> quite a few property managers on his payroll, he would literally pay them a, a specific amount per week. And, uh, and they would make sure he got the job and they would even call him sometimes and say, um, Oh, I, I have approval up to 3,500. So just bill me 3,500. And this would have been like a thousand dollar job. Um, you know, just things like that. And I guess they're trying to show, um, vendor loyalty because they're on the, they're on the books, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, uh, he's paying them. So it's, uh, that's, that's a kickback. And in Florida, that's not legal. <laughs> yeah. That's a little, uh, I don't want to, you know, that's a little on the troublesome side. Let's just say that in a nice way. 
you know, that's, that's the best practice there is if you're going to use any sort of marketing incentive with your vendors, you know, maybe do a preferred vendor program, which is what we do. It's fully disclosed to the owners. And so where you would potentially discount that invoice and send the vendor X amount, because keep in mind, we have to do the accounting, we have to carry the insurance, and we have to do all the scheduling with the tenants for all the jobs. So that should incur some sort of a cost. Now, we're working on some different things. We also have a cost on to the owners, but there's there's some other things that we want to talk about too. Let's talk about the pet fees, right? So one thing I had wanted to mention is there are property managers out there who just charge a pet fee and they pocket the money and give the owner nothing in return. So I've seen this before. And so the right way to do this is, yeah, RentWorks charges a, a monthly pet fee to the tenant for every approved animal that they bring in. And then we offer that owner a thousand up to $5,000 coverage, thousand for free, just to be able to make ready any of those pet issues. So we own the pet damage ourselves. We screen the pets, we screen the animals, we add them to the lease agreements. We own that pet damage, if there is any, up to a thousand bucks, just so we can collect the pet fees. So it's a win-win for everybody. You know, the, the uh, tenants don't pay a giant pet deposit up front. The owners get triple coverage because what we've seen is is usually a third of that in a pet deposit. And the other thing that's you know interesting out there with the pet fees is you get property managers they they start charging these these different non refundable pet deposits. Okay, I was just dealing with one recently where that's what they charge is a non refundable pet deposit. Well, guess what, guys? Common English. Okay, a non refundable pet deposit is a pet fee. All right, let's let's get through this. A non-refundable pet deposit is a pet fee. So that was one thing that really kind of you know showed that they didn't know what they were doing, but then they had to itemize it out later on in the security deposits. So it's like that's just dishonest practice, in my opinion. And that was a local property manager here. So I see all kinds of shadiness going on in this market. Again, it's a lot of those bigger players who can who just don't care about the business they run and the reviews that they get. So that's another. Uh, one I want to bring up. Have you seen anything like that in Florida? Um, yeah, I've definitely seen uh, pet fees being pocketed um, and not offering anything in return. Um, uh, you know, and I don't agree with it. That's not how we operate. But um, it is the the owner did sign a management agreement in this particular instance, agreeing to that. And I don't know why, but uh, yeah, just pocketing pet fees in general. And I'm fine with pocketing pet fees, but give the owner some protection from that. I mean, that's just only the right thing to do. And we do see a lot of that with with uh, property management companies is they copy things that they see out there, but they don't really quite take a step back and say, okay, if I'm charging this to the tenant, I need to make the owner whole. That's what we, that's the term I've been using for years and years with my staff. How do we make the owner whole for the program that we just created to provide a very good service? Because that's the end of the day, what we want to do. That's what you want to do as a quality property manager. So any other stories you want to bring up real quick and we'll call this an episode. Go ahead. Um, no, I think that's it. I think we hit on the the main ones that I had um, in, in general with the repairs not being done as they were billed for. That was a big one. And uh, security deposits was was my other big one. Yeah, the, the one that really is my bugaboo is the outgoing tenant security deposits. Now, kind of the things that we have done in the best practice is we, of course, give an itemized deduction in writing in via mail. Okay, if you start doing it via email, you start the email war. So we do it via mail. Then we give them an opportunity to fill out a form online 
to dispute a security deposit charge with evidence. And then we review it and potentially make a decision. Now, we always recommend to an owner, I said, look, if we're arguing over a few hundred dollars here or there, we just want to go ahead and concede because if they decide to lawyer up and start a lawsuit, nobody really wins from that. Don't be the one property manager in town that wants to fight a lawsuit from start to finish because even if you win, you don't win, right? Even if the judge calls it a draw, you're still out thousands of dollars in potentially attorney's fees and your time and stress dealing with that. So, Ashley, you talked about this earlier, as we feel that security deposits might be going the way of the dodo after a while. They might be just starting to phase themselves out because the laws in most of these states make it so tough for landlords and property managers to deal with it. A lot of them are just like, heck with it. I'm not going to deal with it. We're going to find another way and do that uh, in, a, in a high level. So, Ashley, I want to thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your time. I thought it was a really cool episode to kind of air some of the things that we've seen. Now, we could probably go on and on and talk more about this with other stuff out there, but this is just scratching the surface of some of the shady tactics that we've seen or less than honorable tactics that we've seen for property managers. So again, thanks for coming on. Hope you have a good day and we'll see you soon at the Property Manager Mastermind Conference in May of 2021. We'll talk to you soon, Ash. Take care. Thanks, Brad. This show is sponsored by the best home inspection software on the market for property managers. We endorse and use Z-Inspector as our software of choice for our team to document home inspections. We particularly like their 360 degrees camera system that produces amazing views of the interior room. Your clients will love Z-Inspector documented inspections you provide them. Visit www.zinspector.com to learn more. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.